this Sunday, as every Sunday, we acknowledge the land on which we work and worship and dwell. Here in Seattle, that is the land of the Duwamish tribe. Uh, they are people who are still alive and active in this city. And in fact, uh, throughout this time of COVID have continued to be very active in their own community and in uh, the city and in the region. This month, as always, they will hold their annual craft fair. And that's the last weekend in November. They will not have food inside, but they will have the off the res food truck, which is an indigenous owned business doing a, a variety of different things, but they're kind of known for their fry bread variations and have different kinds of like toppings and fry bread tacos even. So I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to, um, to frequent the food truck on their uh, property during the craft fair. And it's also a great place just to uh, support indigenous artists and then get some beautiful crafts and uh, artwork. Our gathering song for this morning is How Great Thou Art. And this is one of those recordings of our congregation. So we'll get to hear our own voices and join our own, uh, our own voices. We might be singing along to ourselves for our opening hymn, How Great Thou Art.
to worship this morning, I will speak a leader part and Pastor Megan will speak the response. She's putting that into the chat and then you're invited to speak that from where you are and she'll lead you in our response. I can tell how much people are, the messages keep popping up on my screen telling me how we miss singing with each other. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, I invite you to join me in the call to worship. We have come to worship God, the living God. Who calls prophets and teachers to bear witness. We have come to praise God, the almighty God. Who answers the forces of hatred and hurt with the power of grace. We have come to worship God, all gracious God. Who chooses even you and me to receive and carry the word of life and hope. All glory to God. Amen. We light our peace candle each week to acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's peace, God's vision of a just peace for all of creation. This week is Trans Awareness Week. And I lift us up especially trans and non-binary folks who are still discovering and living into their authentic identities as God created them. Even as trans people are disproportionately targets of violence and transphobic uh, attention, uh, I, I lift them up especially as a gift to the church and the church and culture might uh, affirm and welcome trans folks as people who have a unique uh, vision and identity and lens to see scripture and understand who God is and understand who we are as created beings. And together we pray, we long for a just peace, we pray for a just peace, and we choose to live for a just peace. Naomi. Thank you. 
peace be with you and also with each one of you. Usually I have a book for children's time and I don't have a book this morning. This morning, I'm gonna be talking about uh, the scripture story about Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet who listened for God's call. So later, after I talk, after I talk about Isaiah, I'm gonna read the story of Isaiah and we'll be able to, to hear about how Isaiah experienced listening for God and seeing God and, and hearing the call of God. So we're gonna, I want you to pay attention after, oh, look at who it is. Can you see who it is? I better take this. Hello, God? Uh, I'm sorry, but I can't really take your call right now. I'm, I'm talking to children in our church. Oh, okay, you'll, you'll keep calling. You'll call me back. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll wait for your call. Okay, thank you, God. God just called me? I can't believe it. Have you ever received a call from God? I haven't really received a call from God either. I have a confession to make that wasn't really God. But wouldn't it be amazing if God called us? When I was talking about Isaiah, Isaiah did get a call from God. He saw God in front of him, like God was filling up the space all around him. And Isaiah heard God's voice calling to him and saying, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. Will you do what I ask? Well, now, of course, we don't see or hear God call us on the phone. We don't really hear God's voice, but there are ways that we can still listen for God. Some of the ways we do that in our congregation is we listen to each other, or maybe we talk to people that we trust, and maybe we listen inside of ourselves and our own hearts and in our brains, and we listen to our thoughts and feelings. We listen carefully to that. And then we might ask someone we trust, this is a thing that I'm thinking or feeling. Do you think that might be something God is trying to tell me? Or maybe it's listening to the things that we love to do or the people that we love or seeing where there are needs in the world. That might also be God talking to us if we listen carefully. Now, I really wish that God would call me on the phone. I really, really wish that wasn't, that, that wasn't just me being silly because God does try to talk to us. And when Isaiah hears what God calls, what his answer is, is here, send me, I'm here, send me. So when I read the scripture just now, I invite you to listen to the way that Isaiah saw God and heard God. Because one of the ways that we can listen for God's voice, even though we, we can't like hear God's voice in our ears, one of the ways that we can hear what God wants for us as people and as a community is to read the Bible and then read the Bible together with other people. And together we try to hear what God is calling us to. 
So I'm going to read the scripture. It's from Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. And it's in first person. So when I say I heard or I saw, that's Isaiah talking. Isaiah is the one speaking in this scripture. So this is the scripture from Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. In the year of the death of Uzziah, ruler of Judah, I saw Yahweh seated high and lofty on a judgment seat in a robe whose train filled the temple. Seraphs were stationed above and each of them had six wings with two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet and with two they flew. They would cry out to one another, holy, holy is, holy is Yahweh omnipotent. All the earth is filled with God's glory. The doorposts and thresholds quaked at the sound of their shouting and the temple kept filling with smoke. Then I said, woe to me, I am doomed. I have unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the ruler, Yahweh omnipotent. Then one of the seraphs flew toward me and touched my lips with an ember that had been that had been taken with tongs from the altar. The seraph touched my mouth with the ember. See, it said, now that this has touched your lips, your corruption is removed, your sin is pardoned. Then I heard the voice of the Holy One saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here I am, I said, send me. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I see that Rogue has decided to join me for the sermon this morning. <laughs> My cat Rogue. <clears throat> I don't know how much you were able to take in that reading from Isaiah, uh, but it is a startling, almost fantastical kind of vision that Isaiah has of the temple. It's bizarre. Uh, it's confusing. It, it feels like trying to interpret another language. It just doesn't quite make sense. And as I've sat with this bizarre and fantastical vision um, in the last weeks, I began to see it and experience it as a musical composition. And so that's how I'm going to share it with you this morning. So in this musical composition, there will be an introduction, three movements, and a coda. To begin the introduction, in the year that King Uzziah died. That is how this vision begins. Um, it begins in a really concrete political setting. It makes me think of um, even the birth narrative of Jesus that starts with um, when Kyrenus was governor of Syria. So we know about the governor and we know about a census and we know about taxes and we know about what's happening politically. The story is set in a concrete political context and the same is true here. 
Isaiah as a prophet throughout the book, but here at the start, is trying to make sense of faith, what it means to be and live as a person of faith in the midst of political instability and a transition of leadership. Can anyone relate? It's a fraught moment politically around Isaiah. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of waiting and wondering and questioning, how is this actually gonna go? How is this gonna unfold? In the year that King Uzziah died. That's our introduction. The first movement are the skirts of God. I was listening to some commentators uh, this week, and one of them was reading this text from the JPS version of the Bible, which is put out by the Jewish, the New Jewish Public Society. And in that translation of this text, uh, where, where the NRSV talks about the hem of God's robe filling the temple, the JPS translation talks about the skirts of God filling the temple. And, uh, and it took these commentators to a place, and I'm going to share with you, um, that this concept of being in your mom's skirts, this is an old-fashioned concept. Um, some of you may have heard of it, others may not. I know for one, my mother never wore a long skirt in her life, never will. Um, so I don't know this from experience with my own mother, but it's an evocative image that being in your mother's skirt. So you can imagine little kids in a long billowing skirt, kind of like nestling up in there, being in the skirts of God. That's where Isaiah is. There's something about that being in the skirts of God that evokes a, a proximity to one's mother, an intimacy, a sense of being sheltered and cared for and held. But there's also just a bit of distance or at least mystery uh, where, where God the mother is up, up there somewhere while I'm here in the skirts of God. Isaiah is in the skirts of God. The second movement of our musical composition is Frankenstein. Yes, Frankenstein. Let me explain. <laughs> I was talking with um, some colleagues who were having our text study about this text and one of them reflected on how all of these bizarre things in, in Isaiah's vision were part of the temple, including the seraphim, these these creatures that are so mysterious and confusing and they've got six wings and they're covering their face, they're covering their midsection, they're flying, they're calling out holy, holy, holy to one another, strange, strange otherworldly creatures. But they were, they were in relief. They were in the, they were in the columns in the temple. So these were not, these were familiar things that had come alive in a really terrifying way. Right? So when he steps into this bizarre, fantastical vision in the temple, there's a lot of familiar pieces, a lot of things that he would have recognized and known, but they have come alive. Like Frankenstein is alive. That's where I got Frankenstein. I don't know if it works or not, but they have come alive in a terrifying kind of way in an 
awesome or awful. Either way, there is some awe and glory and otherworldliness that is happening with these familiar pieces coming alive in some strange and terrifying ways. Um, it connects for me somewhat in living in the midst of pandemic where a, there's a lot of pieces of our world, a lot of disparities and inequities that have been real for a long time. These are familiar things. They have come alive uh, in sort of a terrifying and new way for many, many of us. We're seeing them more clearly. We're seeing them more um, holy. Um, there's a revealing of what has always been there but has come alive in new ways. Um, Isaiah, when he encounters this Frankenstein experience, this familiar pieces, but alive in sort of a terrifying new way, he says, woe is me, I am lost. Um, and I have this sense here that it's like walking into the wrong room. Have you ever had that experience where you've like opened the door and you're like, oh, sorry, oh, I don't belong here. Uh, that was not the room I thought it was. This is not the meeting I've been invited to. Something is happening here. There's a little bit of that, I think, with Isaiah walking in. Woe is me, I am lost. Um, and as I've been thinking about it, there's so much holiness happening in the temple. It's as though humans don't belong. It's as though it's not a place for a human to be. Like a human has just stumbled upon a thing that uh, was not meant for human eyes. And the last thing I'll say in this movement is um, it's a really beautiful piece of the story, I think, for me, of the vision, is that these seraphim, these sort of frightening, strange creatures with all the wings and all the movement, can't help but think of the Wizard of Oz and the flying monkeys or something. There's you know, something going on here. These seraphim, and I can't understand it all, but they bring the coal to touch his lips. He has said he has unclean lips. They purify the lips. So it's, it's a weird thing. And yet what is happening is that the seraphim are creating a way for him to be welcome there. Despite the fact that he's just opened the door to a place where humans ought not be, they have created a path for him to be welcome there. Um, it's a generous act of radical hospitality to say, nope, we're going to create a little space for you to belong, even here. The third movement of our composition is Hineni. Hineni is the Hebrew for here I am. Isaiah, when asked, when overhearing the question from God, who am I going to send? Isaiah says, Hineni. Here I am, send me. And what I've learned about Hineni um, in the last week is that um, it's a, um, it conveys, here I am at your service, right? Whatever you ask. And that's indeed what happens in this vision. Isaiah is saying, he doesn't even know what he's signing up for yet. But he says, here I am, send me. Um, Hineni has more to do with the relationship of the asker and the asked than the particular thing that's being asked, right? So it's out of that relationship of trust um, 
in this moment, Isaiah, Isaiah may be feeling so grateful. He may be feeling liberated in lots of ways because of the touching of the coal to his lips. This, this experience of having been liberated and redeemed and having a space and being welcome and I'm here and I belong and feeling such gratitude for that, that he's ready to say yes to God, whatever the thing is. Um, and we're not going to get into it today, but what God asks Isaiah is, is really, really hard, impossibly hard. But Isaiah says yes before he knows what he's getting into. Anybody else relate to this one? I think that's often the case when we volunteer for a thing. Um, it's probably more rare that we know exactly what we're getting into when we say yes to a thing. I think what is probably more common is that later on, looking back, we realize we had no idea what we were saying yes to. And today as we're preparing to... Um, affirm some new congregational leaders. I think there's probably a number of you who have been in congregational leadership in a variety of capacities over the years who did not know what you were getting into when you said yes. But out of a sense of trust with God's calling and the congregation's calling, you step in and then trust that God's going to keep, those seraphim are going to keep showing up um, to make a way for us. And finally, that brings us to our coda in our musical composition. And the coda is the prayer. <clears throat> I learned this week that it is um, part of the Jewish tradition to emulate this prayer of the angels, that this is a really sacred prayer that the seraphim offer in this vision from Isaiah. Um, that the, the words, the prayer of the angels is actually part of the Amidah, which is a a central prayer in Jewish liturgy. It's part of a daily kind of liturgy. And, and the thing, and I, I hope this isn't appropriation, I hope that this is connection, um, but what I wanna share with you is that at least in some communities, um, and the commentator I was listening to talked about with each holy rising to their tiptoes. And I love a prayer that engages our bodies. So, um, I'm going to invite you, whether it's like standing where you are or just sitting where you are, to, to practice that with your tiptoes as we revisit this prayer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand. You won't see me maybe totally. With each holy. 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 Is the God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with God's glory. And before I close, I'm going to give you a variation on this musical composition. I'm going to start over from the top. And just was playing with this this week. Just going to imagine this for our particular community at Seattle Mennonite Church. So in the introduction, in the year King Uzziah died. We are not only in the midst together, um, in the midst of a political season of transition and instability and waiting and wondering and not sure how things are going to unfold. We are also in the midst of that as a congregation. There's a lot of transition. There's a lot of potentially instability, maybe even tension. We're, we're heading into big decisions together. Some of that 
sort of starting today, we are situated in this context of bated breath, watching and waiting and wondering, how is this going to unfold? In the first movement, the skirts of God. So here I imagine that we all just convene together in the skirts of God. Sometimes when I pray the Lord's Prayer, um, because it's often Abba, which is Daddy, Father God, I often say Ama, Ama God. Um, so being in the skirts of God makes me think of Ama God near us and sheltering us, even as she is bigger and full of mystery and bigger than we sometimes entertained images of God think. This is a really big, big, big image of God. So Ama God is sheltering us. I invite you to join me in the skirts of our Ama God. Movement two, <clears throat> Frankenstein. <laughs> We are all in this Frankenstein world together. And when I think about this in terms of SMC and what familiar pieces are coming alive in new and awesome or terrifying ways, I think about our shared values, our commitments, the beautiful words that we repeat together in our covenant with one another, the beautiful words that we offer together in our prayers and in our hymns and in our songs, all of these things that we have shared for so long that are so familiar that we repeat week after week, there's a sense in which some of those are coming alive in new ways. New ways, both awesome and terrifying and whoo, whoo. Movement two. <laughs> Movement three, Hineni, here I am, send me. <laughs> so we may, like Isaiah, because of our relationship with God and our relationships with one another, we may find ourselves saying yes before we fully know where it leads. And only later looking back and saying, wow, whoo, we did not know what we were getting into, did we? <laughs> Here I am, send me, <clears throat> he name me. Here we are, send us. And finally, <clears throat> our coda, which is our prayer in which we rise to our tiptoes with each holy, which for me, when I, when I do that in my body, what I feel is a posture of aliveness, this sort of gentle and steady movement a readiness that is alert yet grounded, even hopeful. And so I'm going to close with our coda one more time and invite you to feel that rising on your tiptoes, whether you actually stand and do that or just from wherever you're sitting, to, to think of that rising to your tiptoes with each holy. Whew. Holy. Holy. Holy is the God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with God's glory.
Amen, 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 may it be so. Our hymn of response today, <clears throat> though God seeks us and calls us, sometimes we too go looking for God. And our culturist, our song of response is, I sought the Lord. I think, so we're going to be hearing Joanne play this on piano. I think she plays two verses. We'll post all three verses in the chat so you can choose I guess the ones that you like the best and sing along. We delight together in the hearing of beautiful music. Thank you. God chooses you. God chooses me. God calls us. Let us notice together how God is calling you. I invite you to take in a breath. Take in another breath. Let it out with a sigh. <sighs> Holy God, we gather like children at the hem of your skirt, longing for closeness and comfort feeling lost and seeking guidance from your hand. Holy God, may your presence fill up the space around us and in us so that when we may be cleansed and healed of what is soiled, of what is broken, of what has been violated. Holy God, we come to you with our prayers. We place in your care all in our congregation who are feeling the weight of aging or who feel as if their health is becoming more precarious, feeling the diminishment of age with underlying medical procedures, ongoing medical procedures, testing, and worry. Help us as a community to offer support, care, 
and encouragement to those isolated or feeling disconnected. We share the anxiety of many who are at risk as COVID cases rise and outbreaks become more frequent. We learned this week of an outbreak of COVID in the printing plant that is publishing our forthcoming hymnal, Voices Together. We pray for the safety of the workers there. We pray as a church that we will not prioritize expediency over safety and health. Today we pray for Bob Brubaker as he heals from bypass surgery this past Friday at Cherry Hill. Grant him reassurance as he endures expected chest pain. Protect him from any complications. Surround him with your healing love and walk with Becky and his children as they anxiously wait for his recovery. We offer prayers today for Larry Scheffler after a long and intense move that wrapped up years of living in Wallingford. Renew his strength and energy after all the exhaustion. Protect his heart and his health. May he feel rested and restored in his new apartment in Lake City. Today we celebrate with Bob and Sandy in their marriage that happens today. Walk with them through the span of their life together. Bless them that they may grow in love, understanding and partnership. Bless those among us who are preparing to host shelter in our SMC building. Though many of us no longer frequent the building, the church building. We pray that it will continue to safely shelter those who need a warm, safe, and healthy place to sleep. We ask for positive decision-making on the part of the Shoreline Hearing Examiner this week with regards to the Oaks 24-7 shelter and the appeal by the neighbors in Shoreline. May we be able to move into the Oaks as planned, December 31st. Bless those among us also today as we make decisions, as we move from worship this morning into a time of congregational discernment. Bless your spirit's presence that we may listen wholly and with compassion, that we may seek your wisdom in all that we do and decide today. And moving to the chat box for any prayers. We pray together with Rita for her sister-in-law who's Memory Care Center is experiencing COVID cases now. For Phyllis, all residents and staff. Together we pray with Melissa and Darren 
and Madeline. We pray that Darren will feel better. He currently is awaiting COVID test results. Let us dwell in your skirts, God. Offer us shelter and protect us. We come in awe of the Frankenstein, the awesome and the terrifying. Let us say yes with courage and joy as we respond to the call. Holy, holy, holy. You are at once almighty and intimate, beyond us and among us, mysterious and known. Though we cannot understand fully, we trust that through your spirit, you know even what we have left unsaid, that you receive our prayers with love. We pray in your holy name. Amen. We continue our worship in an attitude of prayer, grateful for the gifts that you all offer to our congregation, grateful that we can accept those offerings digitally. Today, we bless the way that our resources support leadership development and congregational resourcing, grateful that we have uh, such gifted leaders in our congregation who are saying yes to God's call to be present to the discernment of our community. Our closing hymn is number 435 in our hymnal. I'm going to lead this hymn of closing uh, called May the Lord Mighty God. It's a, a Chinese melody. And in part two, you, I invite you to sing the, the second part and I will sing the melody. I'm going to sing through uh, as it's written all the way through once and then the, the verse uh, or the beginning until the, uh, the first three lines again at the end is what I'm trying to say. And I will, I'm, I'm an alto, so I will definitely be singing like a third lower than it's written. <clears throat> May the Lord mighty God bless and keep you forever. Grant you peace, perfect peace, courage in every endeavor. Lift your eyes and see God's face full of grace forever. May the Lord mighty God bless and keep you forever. May the Lord mighty God bless and keep you forever. Grant you Courage in every endeavor. 
that alone feels like enough of a benediction, but I invite you to receive this blessing. Go knowing that you are beloved, that you do indeed dwell in the presence of God, in the skirts of God, in the intimate beloved place of God's child, God's, of all of God's children. Go knowing that God calls to each of you, to each one of us, and that together we may answer, here we are, send us. May it be so. Amen. Amen.